Now listening to the Knicks State of Mind podcast, presented by Elite Sports Radio. And now, your hosts, Chip Murphy and Matt Castillo. Hi everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Knicks State of Mind podcast. I'm Matt Castillo with Chip Murphy. And Chip, some pretty big news has been trending on Twitter and really the whole sport world. Eric Bledsoe in Phoenix is he's tired of he's tired of playing for the Suns he even tweeted out that he doesn't want to be there uh they sent him home he will not be playing in tonight's game he wants out he wants out of Phoenix they fired the coach already um and one of the possible destinations is the New York Knicks so Chip give us your thoughts on the Eric Bledsoe uh possible trade to the New York Knicks Okay, I was tweeting about this all day. I want Eric Bledsoe. Yep. But I want him at the right price. Uh, Basketball Insiders reported that the Knicks and the Suns have been talking, but Phoenix requested Billy Hernan Gomez and Frank Nielakina. Now, that is not the right price. (laughs) That, That is way too much. Both of those guys is way too much. Um. I don't know about trading Frank. Uh, I'd at least consider it. Uh, I would definitely trade Billy Hernan Gomez and say Courtney Lee. I would definitely do that deal. Okay. Like I said, I love Eric Bledsoe. I want him on my team. Uh, an interesting stat that I was looking up earlier, uh, Eric Bledsoe averaged 21 points and six assists last season. The Knicks haven't had anybody do that since Stefan Marbury did it in 2004-2005. Yeah. And they've only had two players do it in total since Clyde Frazier retired. Since Clyde Frazier left, whatever. I mean, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Just shows Um, you that. So, yeah, he would be, like I I was writing a feature today about him, and I I wrote he would instantly be their most talented point guard since Marbury left. Yeah, it's obvious the Knicks haven't had a point guard in years. And, you know, it always made me wonder with Camelo Anthony and the team if the Knicks could have been better if we were, were able or ever able to match them up with a point guard. And I see that report that the Suns have asked for Herring Gomez and Frank Nielakina. And I, I, I do think that is a little much. I would try to squeeze a pick or something out of Phoenix. Whether if it, I, I doubt it would be a first-round pick or a future pick or something to consider that. Because, look, I, I hear it. I, I know Frank Nielakina hasn't even got a chance to show what he can do. I'm getting more and more frustrated with him every single day that he's just never on the court. And Same. I mean, I'm already frustrated we drafted him. I'm not, I mean, I, that's been no secret. I've tried to remain patient. I've tried to be positive about this whole thing. And deep down, I just have a feeling that he was not the right guy. And the Knicks should have never drafted him. And they passed on other players that would have been better suited 
uh, for us along the road. And now there's people that are going to say, relax, he hasn't got a chance to play. Well, every time it seems like we're going to get to see, uh, see him play, he has some kind of injury, something else. His knee hurts, his ankle hurts. Uh, it, it's getting very, very frustrating. And I know people are scared to death because, you know, look, let's say the Knicks did that trade. They, they did make it. And Frank does turn out to be a, a star player or, you know, somebody that is highly productive. Then, yeah, you're going to be kicking yourself in the butt for making a trade. But I, I, I think... I think the Knicks are definitely interested in Bledsoe. I think they're definitely going to continue to work with the Suns. I think what you said, Chip, Heron Gomez and Courtney Lee, I would, if if they would take that, the Knicks should absolutely send that. If they are very stubborn about this and saying, look, we could find somebody else to trade for Bledsoe. If you guys want him, this is all we're going to take from you. I think the Knicks can try to get a pick. And at least consider doing it. I, I do. I think they should consider trading Frank Nealakina and Heron Gomez. And I get it. Like I said, I get that there is a risk involved since we haven't seen Nealakina play. And we're trading away a lottery pick and not really getting one back. I get all that. So, But I would say at least consider. Do you see what I'm saying, Chip? Yeah, I do. And the risk to me is, I know Bledsoe, people are acting on Twitter like he's old. He he turns 28, I think, next month. But the risk to me is Bledsoe is a free agent after next summer. So the risk to me would be, what if you trade for Bledsoe and he just bails and he hates New York? And you could have had Frank under your control for like the next four or five years or whatever. And you just trade him for essentially a guy you had for a year. I mean, that's a big risk for me. Yeah. I don't think that Frank will end up as a guy who's better than Eric Bledsoe when his career is set and done. I don't. Yeah. Would you consider if if Bledsoe said that he would sign an extension? Yeah. Okay. I, I might. I might definitely have to consider it. I would, yeah. I just think Bledsoe's a darn good player. I mean, I know he's had his injury problems. I think last year they kind of shut him down to protect him from an injury because the team was going nowhere. Um, I think him and Brzingis would be a fun combination to watch. Uh, I -hmm. think if the Knicks traded for Bledsoe, does that make the Knicks really that much better? I think it makes them better. Uh, But again, still nowhere near from a title team or or a, a legitimate contender. So I feel that if you make the trade, you're still going to be probably picking in the lottery now. It might not be in the top six or seven, but you're still probably going to be a lottery pick, which is what the Knicks need right now. They need to find uh, gems in the draft. Um, And again, if you can work out a deal to try to even get a future first-round pick or even next year's second-round pick, just something to continue to try to bring young talent in until you can find your core that works. Um, I, I think Bledsoe is another intriguing player. I mean, I, we, we talked about it with Kyrie Irving and those trade rumors um, that my hopes are not up. Once again, that's where I'm going with this. It, it's something that I believe it when I see it. Um, I would welcome Eric Bledsoe, though, to the Knicks in a heartbeat. I think, you know, like Heron Gomez hasn't even touched the floor this year so far, which is a little shocking. 
Um, and I like him. I, I really do. I like her and Gomez. But for a position that the Knicks haven't had in years, you just shared those stats, Chip, about having no Nick point guard has put up the 21-6 and six numbers since Stephen Marder. I mean, we have been so bad at the point guard position that we can actually have a chance to solidify that position by getting a, a true point guard. Because I think, and we're about to get into uh, what's going on with the Knicks in just a moment, but I think a part of the problem is not having a point guard. And again, I, I will I'll explain that more in just a moment. Um, but I, I want Bledsoe. Chip, I know you said you want Bledsoe. Um, if the price is right, I, I hear what you're saying. I would agree. I, I kind of hope the Knicks give a counter offer her and Gomez for Courtney Lee. And I think that's a pretty fair trade. If a guy wants out of Phoenix so bad, you're getting a, a good young center and a really good defending shooting guard, three point shooter. Um, is he under contract still chip Courtney Lee? After the season, Courtney Lee, yeah, I think next year I think is the last year on his deal. I want to say uh, I'm not absolutely certain uh, though. Let me uh, take a quick look. I think it's, I think next year is the last year on his deal. He makes like twelve million, right? Yeah, like I, that twelve to fourteen. Yeah. Oh it, no, he signed for two two more seasons. He two more seasons. More. That's that's a a really good deal right there. I, I think. Yeah. I mean, you got you got those guys locked down. It makes so much sense to make that deal. Um, so, yeah, I can see why the Knicks would be a little bit reluctant to trade Frank Nielakino because we have never seen what he can do. Uh, but the Knicks have been no strangers from trading their eighth pick. Jordan Hill was the last time we picked the eighth pick, and he got shipped out that same season as well. So it, it's a, a strong possibility um but with that being said we're going to kind of go into the second part of this segment and what we're going to do is because obviously we're a weekly podcast we do one show a week the Knicks play several games during the time that we have until the next podcast so we are going to kind of recap kind of where they're at so far they played just two games They're 0-2. They lost the opener to OKC, which they got clobbered, which was really no shock. And then they lost their home opener to Detroit. So, Chip, what have you been seeing from the Knicks so far? Let's talk about what what you like, what you don't like, just your recap of of the first two games. Well, the first thing you notice is Porzingis and how aggressive he is. Yeah. I mean, it was just... So impressive! You you look at uh, there was a stat on ESPN uh, his touches uh, in game one and game two last year. In game one last year he had forty two touches, and game two he had forty five touches. Uh, in game one this year he had fifty eight, and game two he had seventy two touches. And uh, in game one they got blown out, and in game two the game was close. So. That tells you something. Get the ball to Porzingis as much as you can. Um, and his usage is very high. I think his usage has been over 30% in both games. So, uh, and with Hardaway struggling, it has to be. We'll talk about that later. But, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it's the first thing that jumps out at you is how Porzingis was aggressive right from the opening tip against OKC. Uh, he went at <laughs> he went at Mello. But uh, another speaking of stats and talking about the, the Marbury thing, I wanted to see how uh, Porzingis compared to uh, Patrick Ewing in his third season because uh, Porzingis scored uh, obviously thirty points in his first two games this year. That's his third year. Patrick Ewing had five 30-plus point games in his entire third, uh, third season combined. Wow. So, and Porzingis already has two. Uh, and I'm, I'm not trying to dispatch Ewing or anything, but I'm just saying it's, it's pretty impressive that Porzingis has already put up two 30-point games. It's very impressive. Yeah, and, and it, it is just two games, so it, it's – there's a long season ahead, and, and we're going to get into Brzingis a little bit later on in the show, so I'm going to save uh, my thoughts on, on how he's playing uh, for that. Um, but the first thing that jumps out to me, the opener was just a train wreck. It, it was awful. Um, there wasn't much excitement in that game at all to they weren't competitive. They got blown out, uh, scored only like 84 points. Uh, Przingis played his butt off. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., we're going to talk about in the next segment, it, it has been awful. And I, I think Michael Beasley going out in that game didn't help. I think that's why one reason why we didn't come close to the 100-point mark. Um, and the second game, the Knicks for – a little bit in that game against Detroit, they looked pretty good. They looked like they were that team that didn't necessarily have to have multiple superstars to win because they were playing together. They were playing as a team. All five guys on the floor were moving without the basketball. The ball was moving offensively, and it just looked really, really easy. And it put a smile on my face for a little bit. And I'm saying, you know what? This team's not going to be that good. But I can watch this. If this is how they're going to play, they're going to play together. They're going to move the ball like this. They're going to be fun to watch. And all of a sudden, the bad news Knicks show back up. <laughs> you, you see Detroit pick up their defense intensity. And that was it. The Knicks stopped moving the ball. They had nobody that was creating any offense, and this is what I was talking about uh, before we jumped into the, the recap part of this segment about Eric Bledsoe. I think not having a point guard is killing us, and especially in that home opener against Detroit when things started going south. We had a 21-point lead in that game, and when we started to struggle, I think it's up to a point guard to kind of get the offense going in that direction that we were that got us to that 21 point lead, but we don't have that. That's why I would love to have Bledsoe, a guy that can orchestrate an offense to keep, keep it going, keep getting back on that flow. And I think that was one of the biggest things there. I felt like why they have that 21 point lead defensively, they were getting into their men, uh, their man. They, they were playing hard defensively. All of a sudden, that stopped, and everything started falling for Detroit. Uh, so, you know, it, it's very frustrating when you see them put 
together a, a spurt of looking pretty well, looking pretty entertaining, and then to go back to what we're typically used to seeing, and I guess that's just true, that bad teams are always just going to find ways to lose games. But that that's my take so far on uh, the first two games of the season that they play the Boston Celtics tomorrow night at 7.30. Um, don't know if they're going to get their first win tomorrow, even with the Celtics not having Hayward. They're still a 10 times better team than the New York Knicks. So Yeah, and Kyrie Irving there too. Oh, I mean, yeah. And just, sorry, one quick thing on the, the Pistons game. Uh, it, it's everything we dreaded about the point guard situation. Yeah. Like I said, and you agreed, the worst point guard rotation in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm looking at the, the box score right now. Ramon Sessions played 33 minutes against the Pistons. I mean, Ramon Sessions can't be playing 33 minutes. Exactly. He's not, he's not a good basketball player. He shot two of eight, 0 4 on threes. He's a dreadful three point shooter. I mean, he had five assists and seven rebounds. That's nice, but he had the worst plus minus of anybody on the team. He was, the team was outscored by 11 points when he was on the court. Yep. I mean, you're, if your point guard has the worst plus minus on the team, that's bad. Yeah. That's really bad. That's... That means he's doing a lot wrong. And that's why we need Eric Bledsoe. Uh, we, we absolutely need him. We need a point guard. I think that game would have been different if we had a point guard to kind of steer the ship back in the absolutely. right direction. I, 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 it was it was obvious. It was obvious. And, and we got to see exactly what me and Chip have been talking about, that the, the lack of depth at the point guard position is going to come back and bite us. And it did in that game. And I'm sure it will continue to be that way if we don't make a move. So New York Knicks, please bring Eric Bledsoe in. We need him. We need. Him. I understand you don't want to get robbed. I get it. But find a way to make that deal. Stop. Stop with these rumors that get hopes up. And I know some people may not want Bledsoe because they don't think he's any good. But then when they actually get a chance to see him, they'll see that he's good. Um, so just get it done. But with that being said. We are going to wrap up this first segment. When we come back, we are going to specifically talk about Tim Hardaway Jr. and his struggles. We'll be back right after this short break. Hi, everybody. Matt Castillo here, writer at EliteSports.com and co-host of the Next State of Mind podcast. Just wanted to take this time to thank the fans and remind listeners to follow our social media pages. You can find us on Twitter at NYKSOMPodcast or on our Facebook page at the Next State of Mind podcast. Come be a part of the discussion. We want to hear from you and talk about the Knicks. Everybody, and welcome back to the Knicks State of Mind podcast. As we mentioned right before the break, the segment will be dealing with Tim Hardaway Jr., who has been awful to start the first few games of the season. Uh, And Chip, I'm going to ask you, is that big contract causing him to struggle? Is he trying too much to live up to that deal that he got? Yeah, I think he is. I think the contract's in his head. I mean, he's played two games. Uh, he's made just seven of his 26 shots. Uh, and, you know, he came in, everybody was talking about his shooting, and he's made uh, just five of his 17 threes. Uh, you know, he's really only scoring when he's in transition, which is, you know, that's his strength that he's mm-hmm. doing yes. that. But he doesn't. He looks every bit as poor as advertised on the defensive end. Yep. Like we said, uh, 
he uh, he's never going to be, I think we said, uh, Tony Allen. He's never going to be Tony Allen on defense, but, man, he's been brutal. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm not really surprised that he's struggling from the start, but at the same time, I don't expect this to continue. Uh, I expect him to average, like last year he averaged 14.5 points per game, I expect him to up his field goal numbers, mm-hmm. his three-point numbers, uh, and average about 13 or 14. Now, it's different. With the Hawks, you know, he was like the third or fourth option, whatever. Uh, I guess probably the third behind Schroeder, Howard, and Millsap, or the fourth, I mean. And he he shot 45.5% last year, 35.7%. Now defenses are keying in on him. Because he's the second scorer behind KD. And he's never had that in his career. And so far, he has not reacted well to it. Uh, I'm not prepared to say that he isn't ready for it. Because he seems like a really tough guy. And I'm not sure that he can't do it. And plus, he's also a player's son. So he's had a lot of pressure on him his whole career, pretty much, to live up to his dad's legacy. Mm-hmm. But he's... Right now, he's taking a lot of bad shots, yeah. particularly contested threes, because he probably feels like if he can get one three down, then this, this whole slump will stop. But his threes just aren't falling. Like I said, five of seventeen. So, you know, maybe he has a good shooting game, a good game from three, and he'll snap out of it. So, hopefully, that happens. Yeah, I'm looking at the he's shooting twenty six percent from the field. Yeah. 29% from the three-point line. Mm-hmm. And well, I, I'm not ready to jump down his throat because, like you said, I don't think this is going to stay this bad. I think he's just in one of those stretches. Um, and and the, one of the reasons why I'm not ready to be all over him is because he had a nice preseason. Uh, looked very solid. And I, I think he'll get to that. But I definitely think that he is over – trying right now he's trying way too hard you can see it he's moving 150 miles per hour he's just got to slow down let the game come to him and right now he's just not doing that and watching that game against the Pistons Wally Zerbiak did the game and he was saying I don't think he's taking any bad shots I think he's taking good rhythm shots and I'm thinking what are you watching I mean he the ball gets advanced (laughs) up the floor to him and he's jacking it up I mean he's taking He's shooting 8.53 point attempts so far in the first two games. I mean, anytime his feet are behind that three-point line, he's launching it. And Tim Hardaway Jr., you, you can hit some threes. I know that. You're not Stephen Curry. So you might want to start attacking the basket a little bit more. You don't need to be shooting that many threes. That's one thing I want to see him do is attack the basket. And he started doing that a little bit. And then he was missing layups. I mean, he missed like three or four layups in that Detroit game, and it was just like, what, what is what is going on right now? I will say one of the positive things is at the end of that game, he did hit a couple of threes. So I'm hoping that that will carry over into the game against the Celtics because I, I, I think he's more talented than what he's doing right now. But I think it's just one of those cases where we're seeing a guy – trying to prove that I deserve this contract that I got. Because once he signed that deal 
everybody was thinking, oh my God, the Knicks just overpaid for a guy that's not going to live up to that production. And when you hear that, that's all you can hear. That's all you've been hearing. You're going to try to prove them wrong. And I think right now he's just moving way too fast. He's trying way too hard. He's just got to slow down. And I think he'll be fine. I think his numbers are going to go up. I think he'll definitely be shooting a lot better than 26% from the, the field. If not, this is just going down as one of the worst signings in NBA history. Uh, but again, I'm not even anywhere near that yet uh, of getting ready to declare that and start flipping tables, screaming about, I told you so, the Knicks shouldn't have signed him to all this deal. I think he'll be all right. But Chip, what do you do you think the Knicks need to call some plays for him to get him open, get him some looks to kind of get him going? I'm not sure it's really that kind of offense. It's so up-tempo and fast break. I think most of the plays are, are called for KP from what I understand. I mean, mm-hmm. and Hardaway is, is so good in the fast break. I feel like that's where he should bet most of his. Uh, most of his offense should come on in the uh, fast break transition, whatever you want to call it, on fast break and on the driving kick in the open threes. I feel like he would thrive in that. He would thrive in this offense because of that. I mean, he did in the preseason. He made some drive and kick open threes, some corner threes, and that uh, he scored on layups, open layups in that preseason. I mean, now, could some of this be because he uh, uh, isn't meshing well uh, with the point guard, whatever point guard he's on the court with? I don't know. I mean, seems like he had chemistry with those guys in the preseason. I think he's just slumping early. I think he'll bounce back. Uh, I don't think they need to call any plays for him because I think he's a shooter, and eventually shooters will make shots, and he's uh, he's a guy who will score in the fast break, and they like to run. Jeff Hornacek likes to run. And Tim Hardaway, whenever there's a defensive rebound, Tim Hardaway leaks out and tries to get that easy layup. Yeah. So eventually he'll get one of those, a couple of those in a row, hopefully. I'm looking at a number right now. He's not been a guy throughout his career that gets to the foul line. He's average. No, he's not. He's in the in the half court. He's a shooter. Yeah, he's averaged two free throws a game for his career so far. Yeah, sure. One point five. If you were going to take that step, that next step, he's making big time money. He's going to have to attack the basket and start getting to the foul line more. I want to see that number jump up to at least five or six for right now, which is still okay. But I want to see him take that jump. I think if he can start attacking the basket, get to the foul line, uh, he's an 80% free throw shooter for his career. That's the best way. When you start to see that ball go through the net, you you gain confidence. That's the best way to get going. Like you said, he is a shooter. So the shooters go through stretches where they're not going to make anything. Then he's going to go through stretches where he's on fire. But where you can find that balance is if you're a guy that can get to the free throw line. So that's what I want to see Tim Hardaway Jr. do. I want him to be more aggressive, especially in transition. Get the ball, go and draw contact, get to the foul line, hit your free throws, watch that ball go through the net, 
and his confidence would go through the roof. Uh, I think that would take him far, get him out of slumps. And, and obviously, when you're getting to the foul line and you're making foul lines, your points per game uh, stats are going to go up. Uh, so, you know, like you said, he averaged 14 and a half points last year. I, I think he's going to be okay. I think he's going to go over that this year. Um, and I, I know we did a lot of predictions the last few weeks, but really quick, Chip, I'm just curious to hear what your number is. How many how many points per game do you think Tim Hardaway is going to score? Yeah, I was just going to say this to you. You talked about his next step. I don't think there is a next step for Tim Hardaway. Okay. I, th- I think he is this guy that he showed last year, like a 15-point-per-game a scorer. Um, uh, I, he's not a 20-point-per-game scorer. I think the best we can hope for is like, 15, between 15 and 18 points per game. Okay. Um, maybe maybe he becomes like a volume shooter, like if he takes a lot of shots. He's already taken 13 a game this year. So maybe if he takes like 14 or 15 a game and just starts shucking it up and him and KP become the only guys who shoot, maybe he scores 20 a game. But that'll just mean he's not shooting it at a high percentage, and I'd almost prefer he scores less and shoots it at a high percentage. But, yeah, I I don't think there is a next step, but I think he's a, a 15 to 18-point-per-game scorer. Now, do you I, – I mean, I don't know. Do you disagree on that or – I think he's going, he's going to get plenty of shot attempts. So I think what you just said at the end right there makes the best sense, that uh, you want him to be more efficient than mm-hmm. putting up 20 points because I, I agree with you so much right there that – if he's scoring 20 points a game, it's probably because he's taking 15, 16 shots a game. Exactly. Your, your field goal percentage is going to suffer. He's just not that kind of scorer where he's going to consistently be able to put the ball in the hoop 20 points a game. So I, I agree with you 100%. I think you made a very great point about I'd rather see him stay around that 14 you know, point range, maybe a little bit more, and be more of an efficient efficient shooter i i definitely think that would be the the best way we can get out or, or the best production we would get out of tim hardaway jr but with that said we are going to wrap up this segment and when we come back we're going to talk about christopher zingas can he remain this hot he's on fire right now he's very fun to watch the only entertaining part of the Knicks. so we'll get into that in just a minute Hi, everybody. This is Chip Murphy, co-host of the Knicks State of Mind podcast and boss of all New York Knicks content at EliteSportsNY.com. To follow my work, you can find me on Twitter at at Chipper Murphy. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Knicks State of Mind podcast. This is the final segment of the show, and we are going to talk about our Superstar, the only guy that's even worth watching right now on the Knicks who, who's playing out of his mind, Christoph Przingis. And Chip, you kind of talked a little bit about him when you were talking about uh, what stood out so far in the first few games for the Knicks. And you mentioned of how well Przingis is playing, his fast start right out of the gates. And he's averaging 32 points a game. That's incredible. And can he remain this Dominic can he win a scoring title this season 
I don't think he can win the scoring title. I think that's uh, that's something that like Kevin Durant is going to do, or maybe even LeBron James, because I think LeBron James is going to be hunting for it this year. Uh-huh. I think he's going to be done for the MVP. But I think he's going to score a lot of points. I think he's going to score 25 points, maybe even 28, something in that area. Uh, yeah, he he's dominated. Uh, I know he had fewer rebounds in the uh, – the uh, Pistons game, he only had five rebounds, but he actually impressed me more in that game mm-hmm. because he shot a higher percentage. Uh, he made 11 of 20 shots, and uh, he, uh, he had 30 points, and he did it against a top-10 defense in the NBA last year. The Pistons were eighth in defensive rating last year, and they basically brought back the exact same team. Uh, and they brought in Avery Bradley, who's one of the best defenders in the NBA. So, and OKC, it was their first game with an entirely new team, so we really don't know what kind of defense they are. But I think maybe the most uh, impressive part about all this is KP has already scored over 60 uh, points so far this season, and he's only made five threes. I mean, so much of his offense, he's only taken uh, 13 threes in two games. Yeah. I mean, so much of his offense last year came from the three-point shot, and he's really playing down low. And we talked before the season about how we need to go to the free-throw line. In two games, he's already taken 19 free-throws. That's huge. That's huge. Huge. That's something that's really stuck out for me, and I'm really impressed that he's getting to the line, and he's playing in the post, and he's made a couple nice moves, and... Yeah, even in the loss, even in the blowout loss against OKC, I was impressed by that. He's just been phenomenal. Yeah, and again, I think you're right on the money with uh, the free throws. Uh, he's averaging nine and a half attempts a game. And that's the thing me and you have been talking about all offseason. Stop settling for the threes. Get yourself inside. You can see that he's put in that work. And is he there yet? Of course not. Is he a dominant post-scorer? No. But you can see that he's putting in the work. He knows that is a big part of his development. And we've seen some flashes of it. Uh, Look, you know, he's not the big body that's going to bang and just plow through somebody and dunk on him like Shaquille O'Neal. He's going to use his height. He's going to bump and spin and some fadeaway shots and you know, when you're four or five feet from the bucket, he's going to hit those. And we're seeing him that. We're seeing him get in that position. Uh, he's not getting pushed off his, his spot. You know, the last first two years when he got into the post, you, you could push him back to the three-point line easily. He's definitely filling out. He's definitely getting stronger. And I think that's part of why he's getting to the free-throw line. Uh, you know, Stanley Johnson, who was covering him in Detroit, you know, put on uh, said after the game that he made me feel like I was like five foot eight or something. You know, uh, yeah. and that talked about how good Przingis is, and, and Johnson is a strong, strong guy. Yeah, he's given up size against Przingis, but he is a, a monster. You know, strength wise, and he was in there for a defense yeah. too, defensive specialist. Yep. And basically, I think that says it all. That I think. Two years ago, Stanley would probably be able to push Przingis around, even even with the size difference. You can mm-hmm. see he's developing that post game. You see him developing 
that he, he's getting stronger. And I've been very impressed with that. You can just – everything about Brazingas, I love. I, I, the kid has the right attitude. He worked hard. And you can see the work paying off. I will say, you, you mentioned that he's, he's took only 16 threes in two games. Um, I, I think he's averaging six and a half three-point attempts. I would like that number to go down just slightly, just slightly um, until he starts to be around a 40% three-point shooter. And he's close to that right now. He's at 38%. Uh, For his career, though, he's just a 34% three-point shooter. That's kind of mediocre. We know we can hit him. We've seen him hit him. We've seen him take a heat check shot last uh, uh, game against Detroit from, you know, about half court. Um, So I I know we can hit him. I would like to see that maybe around five threes, four threes maybe until he starts to consistently hit around 40%. And when he starts doing that, I think five or six threes a game for him would be pretty solid. I don't think he's necessarily a knockdown three-point shooter. Uh, the numbers show that. He's a, he's an average three-point shooter. So I want him to continue to work inside. Um, but we're seeing – him shoot the ball. I mean, this is basically the Knicks offense. He's shooting 22 and a half shots per game. I mean, he, that, wow. that's, that's the Knicks <laughs> offense. It's going to go through him. I, he's going to get those shot attempts. I'll tell you what, Chip, I have him for one of my fantasy teams. I love it. I love it. Every time he plays, I'm getting some big points. Do you have a, you play fantasy basketball? I do. Yeah. I'm in a league. Yeah. Do you have Brazingas? I don't have. You're missing out. You're missing out. I don't have anybody on the Knicks. I almost never take anybody on the Knicks because then I become too emotionally invested in the league. You know what? (laughs) I should take your advice. I should take your advice. It's a good idea. That's a good idea. Oh, yeah? I I do the opposite. I take the Knicks, you know? And usually my fantasy teams do all right, so I like to pretend that I put these guys on my team and they get the experience winning. So... You know, but that that's a good philosophy to have right there. But my team is loving having Brazingas. I'm enjoying it. Uh, 32 points per game. I don't think that's going to hold up. Um, yeah, I think me and you talked about it before, Chip. He's probably going to be around 22, 24 points a game. Um, in a perfect world, though, he would stay around that and, and win a scoring title. But I'm I'm right with you. I don't think Brazingas is going to be able to keep up this 32-point uh, uh, performance, you know, at night. And, and one thing I'm going to ask you before we wrap up, Chip, um, we, we kind of talked about it a little bit after the break. We've we seen Przingis kind of jump out to fast starts before. The first two years, he's kind of gotten off to a hot start early on, and then he kind of hits a wall. Does he hit that wall again this season at some point? I was going to say, the only thing that can slow him down is injury. Yeah. That's all I'm worried about. And you have to be, after the first two years with injuries, you have to at least be a little worried about that if you're a fan or if you're the organization. So the only thing that can slow him down is injury. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I do think, you know, like everybody, he's going to go through his struggles throughout the season. Uh, He's obviously going to have some bad games. Um, But if he's healthy... He's definitely going to put up some lofty numbers. And hopefully he remains healthy. 
Um, because we were just talking about that as well after the break. If Brzingis goes out, we're already talking about Tim Hardaway Jr. taking a lot of shots. He's going to take about 25 shots if Brzingis is out of the lineup. <laughs> I mean, that's just going to be absolutely just pandemonium craziness coming from uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. And I can see Michael Beasley putting up like 20 shots as well if, if, if Przingis is out. So stay on the floor, Przingis. Don't get hurt. Don't do anything <laughs> unnecessary. But we are going to wrap up the show today, and we'll be back next week with another episode of the Nick State of Mind podcast.